Well, this is the, the third Sunday of Advent, and uh, I don't know, maybe I was thinking, maybe I should just uh, step it up just a little bit in Advent, so I wore this tie, and I've like gotten a lot of flack for that. Some people really love it. Some people are like, what's up? What's happening? <laughs> anyway, um, so you can tell me afterwards whether you thought that was a good plan. But anyway, the, um, uh, so we're in the third Sunday of Advent, and um, it is really... Uh, there was a survey done a while ago about which of the kind of nativity characters people most identified with. You know, was it Mary or Joseph? Was it the wise men? Was it Herod? I mean, who was it that people most identified? And overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, it was the shepherds. People identified with the shepherds. I'm not sure exactly why, but they did. And when I was a kid, I grew up in church, and we had like the Christmas plays and all that stuff, and people had parts and got it. My part, it seemed like every time, every year for me, I was like, why don't you just be like a rock? You know, I was like, I got to be the rock, or would you just stay over here, kind of stand in the corner, be quiet, and just pretend like you're a palm tree? Those are sort of my hot rolls. Those are like the things that I was, that I was asked to do. I rarely got to do any of those other ones. So I thought, well, maybe I should ask the rest of you, how many of the rest of you actually have been in like a church Christmas play? All right. How many people actually got to be shepherds? Oh, awesome. Okay. So we've got some, like, we've got some professionals out in the audience. That's good. Okay. Anyway, um, most of us, though, are pretty comfortable with this story. Most of us pretty much know this story. And sometimes it's so well known to us that we can easily skim across the story and stay at a kind of a superficial, kind of a, just at a level that's just above the surface of what's really going on in the story. And this particular story is an amazing story, isn't it? It is God's story. It is God stepping into history in a very unique way. So today as we kind of go through this and we talk about the shepherds, I want us to, to not just kind of float along like we, we're so well versed in the story that it, it misses meaning for us. It doesn't take us deeper. It doesn't push us. It doesn't stretch us a little bit deeper in our connection with who God is and what He was trying to do and what He's up to now. So let me read, I'm going to reread the story. It was done wonderfully by our Advent group. They lit the, the third candle, which is the pink candle, which stands for the joy of the shepherds because they received the joyful good news from God. But here's that story from Luke 2, 8 through 20. Just like listen to this story again. Let your ears hear it again. Let your mind absorb the story just as I read through it. And there were shepherds, there were shepherds living out in fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds received this incredible news. They are the ones that God chooses to bring and give the birth announcement of His Son to. Of all the kinds of characters and people throughout history that God could have chose, He chose the shepherds to bring the birth announcement. Wow. The shepherds. The shepherds. You know, I'm amazed at the shepherds. doesn't tell us much about who they were. There's not really even an adjective that describes the shepherds. But we do know a bit about shepherds. Throughout history, in fact, um, shepherding was a noble profession. In the early days, obviously, Abel was one of the first to have the job. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and of course David were all shepherds. God calls himself a shepherd, refers to us as the sheep. Maybe not always the most striking of a compliment to us, but we're the sheep and God is the shepherd. God is the shepherd. But by the time the first century rolled around, the job of shepherding had dramatically changed in the eyes of the community and culture. In fact, by the time we get to the first century with shepherds, they were about the lowest rung on the ladder, just above lepers. In fact, in the Talmud, which is the, the, the kind of Hebrew writings uh, from the rabbis, we read these words in the Talmud. It says this, no help is to be given to heathen or shepherds. So for us to understand uh, how unusual it was to have the angels appear to this group, this kind of bottom-of-the-barrel group, I want to just give us a couple more insights. They were considered ceremonially unclean. That meant that they couldn't participate in any religious services in a community built on connecting to God. They're outcasts. They're not a part. It's like if they came in today, back then in those days, we wouldn't let them in. You can't come in, can't come in. They were unable to attend any services. They were isolated and forgotten. Perhaps because they were nomadic and wandered all over to take care of the flocks of sheep. They didn't stay in one place. They weren't trusted. They were treated with contempt and mistrust by people. They were suspected of stealing all the time. Their testimony was never allowed in court because they were so unreliable. Wow. They were brash and bold and coarse and rugged. They had uh, incredible language, jumped into fights at the drop of a hat. But yet God entrusted the greatest message ever sent from heaven to a bunch of smelly, low 
shepherds. It's sort of amazing that God would do that. On the other hand, it isn't amazing at all because that's the way our God is. Isn't it right that, that that God looks at those that are the lowly, the disenfranchised, the hurting, the unhealthy? Jesus said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinners. I came I came to those who need help. I came for the sinners. I came for the ones that are at the bottom. I came for everyone. And I love it because God chooses to take this group and bring this good news to them, which says to us that God's good news is for everyone. It's for you. It's for me. That's good news. Without that good news, I don't know where we'd be. I doubt we'd be here. It doesn't say now there were in the same region some scribes uh, keeping watch over their scrolls. No, it says they were shepherds out in fields. They were the lowly, the marginalized, yet God shows and reveals His power and His intention to them. They were uneducated outcasts from their society. That's who God gives this joyful word to. So as we kind of briefly look at a shepherd's, these shepherds' response, we'll see some key lessons that I think we can apply to our lives so that we don't lose sight of who Jesus is in this season. So here are five things I'm going to give you really quickly about the shepherds and what they teach us. The first is they were attentive. So if you're following along in notes, boy, throw that, that one's the first one. They were attentive. The first thing we see about the shepherds is they were attentive to their jobs. They were keeping watch over their flock. This was a 24-7 job. They did the third shift, the second shift, the first. They did all the shifts. They never left. I mean, they were with the sheep. They were with them all the time. They couldn't just wander off and take a break. Didn't work that way. Their job was to stay with the sheep and to guard them. We know that at night, the flocks sometimes, multiple flocks would gather together. A bunch of shepherds would gather them all together in one place, and a shepherd would lie down across the entry to that area so as to protect the sheep and also to not allow anything to come in or to go. Kind of gives new meanings to Jesus' words when he speaks the same type of language. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Jesus said in John 10, 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Notice that God came to attentive people. I don't know what God's given you to do, but these folks weren't slackers. They were doing their job. They were watchful. They were attentive. Whatever job you have, whatever role you have, be attentive. Be attentive because God comes to attentive people, people who are paying attention and are diligent about the tasks at hand in their life. Be attentive people. You might be thinking, well, God doesn't care about me. He doesn't even know about me. He's too busy doing other things. No, God is attentive to you. If you're attentive to God, I can guarantee it, God is attentive to you. He cares about who you are. Here's the second one, odd. I don't mean odd, I mean odd. They were odd. 
They were being attentive and responsive with their responsibilities. And then suddenly, suddenly they are awed by God. God breaks into their life, right? He breaks into their life. An angel shows up. I don't know what it would be like for you if an angel showed up at your house in your bedroom at some time of the day or night. I don't know what that would be. I'd be in awe. I'd be trembling. I'd be in fear. It says they were shaken with fear. They were shaken with fear. They were in awe. The angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Terrified. These were strong men. Courageous people. Not afraid of much. They were terrified. God meets us where we are. But He always brings us to our knees when we're in His presence. You know, there are a lot of people who are unwilling to bend. They're unwilling to bend. They're brittle. Their life might be, we might say that they're full of pride, defiance, self-seeking, arrogance. That hinders them from bending. It hinders them from bending before God. They're not in awe of God. Be careful not to become rigid and brittle, but be willing to bend before God. The glory lights up the sky and causes them to quake, those shepherds. They come face to face with God's holiness, and when we come face to face with God's holiness, we would be in awe. We would bend. I wonder when the last time it was for you that you were in awe of God. When was, the, when was the last time that you were so aware of the power and might and strength, compassion of God, that it brought you to your knees? Where you chose to bend before God and knelt down in your living room beside your bed or out in your garage, you just, you knelt in awe of God because you realized how unworthy you are and how gracious God is and that He loves you. When was the last time that you were so in awe of God that you bent willingly before Him? A willingness, a humbleness, an openness to be bent by God and be in awe of Him. The third is they accepted. The, uh, these attentive, awe-filled shepherds accepted the message of good news with great joy. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, for all people, for all people. The bringing of that good news is a, is a word of acceptance, isn't it? It's a word of hope. It's a word of joy. It's a word of delight in God. The word that's used there about the good news is literally the word from which we get the word evangelize. Evangelize. The good news of great joy, of great joy, great joy, that word great in Greek, that, that word great is mega, mega, large, exceedingly loud, huge, big. It's the, 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 the most superlative. It's huge. 
Wycliffe translates it this way, I evangelize you to a great joy. I bring the greatest news possible to you. I share the good news of God's great love for you. I love that. Joyless faith in Jesus is a contradiction in terms. If you're a person and you haven't found the joy of Jesus or you're not living into the joy of Jesus, you are missing the good news because the good news is about joy. It's what the shepherds experienced, great, mega joy. The message is for all people. It's also about you as well. The whole world is you, all people. It's about all of us. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. We know that they accepted the message. It says in verse 15, let's go to Bethlehem and see. In 1 Thessalonians 2.13, we read this, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is at work in you who believe. God's Word is active in your life and mine. God's intent is that His Word, what? It bears fruit in our life. It's active in our life. It moves us. So, have you accepted that message of good news? They accepted it. Have you accepted that message of good news and allowed the Word of God to be at work in you? Is God's Word working in you? You must receive that and be attentive to it and let it be the activator of your life. Here's the fourth one, they acted. The shepherds didn't just accept and enjoy it. They didn't pull up just and sit on a bale of hay when they got to Jesus as nice as that might have been, it says they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Now, it says hurried off, which means they made great haste, they moved really quickly, which wasn't something shepherds did. Shepherds had a group, a flock, a herd, whatever. They had all these sheep tagging along with them, and they had to move all of them as a group. They didn't move quickly. Here it says they moved very quickly. They hurried off. They left the sheep. They don't leave sheep. They left the sheep to see what God was up to. They hurried off. I wonder sometimes about you and about me. Am I in a hurry sometimes to get to God? I don't mean just with a quick prayer request. I mean, am I in a hurry to get to God? When I wake up in the morning early, am I in a hurry to go, I know I could just lay here for a few moments more, Or am I in a hurry to go, I want to get out of bed, get to a place where I can get to God. I'm in a hurry to get to God. I want to start my day with God today. I want to make sure that my first thoughts are of God today. I want Him to know that I'm a part of His plan in my life. I want to hurry off and get to God. I want to see what He's doing in that day, in this day, today. And tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning. Are you in a hurry ever to get to God? They acted. I love that they acted. They could have doubted or delayed, but instead they decided to act, and they moved, and they moved. 
They moved forward. We're here today because they couldn't keep quiet. Maybe there's an area that God is calling you to some action. It's not enough just to say you have faith or to feel good about something. But there comes a time after seeing where we must invest in actually doing and acting and in sharing that message with people around us. That's why the handout cards, the door hangers are great ways to help us take some action to invite. I mean, I look around, I go, wow, we've got plenty of chairs that are empty. And I bet if we just took a couple of minutes and we just called out names of people that don't know Jesus that we know, and we just started writing their names down and putting those names on chairs, I bet it wouldn't take us but five minutes to have every one of these chairs filled up with a name of somebody that doesn't know them that needs to know them. And that would be a, a starting point for us in our prayer list. Just go, Jesus, would you do unexpected things in the life of my friend? Would you do unexpected things in the life of my next-door neighbor? In the life of my uncle? God, would you do unexpected things this Christmas Eve season? Would you give me the boldness to step out with some of these cards and just invite some people? Because they may be waiting. They may be waiting for your action in response to the good news that's alive in your life. The last one is they adored. I love this. It says that when they went back to their same boring jobs of being shepherds, they went back to the same boring jobs, but they were not the same. These were not the same guys. Inwardly, they were incredibly different. Even outwardly, they had changed a lot. They were praising God. They were glorifying God. They had a message to share with people like nobody else had ever heard. And people wanted to hear what shepherds had to say about when God visited them. They have a godly message to share and live out. They adored God. After Christmas, for lots of us, we may get a break in there for a week or a few days, and after that, it's, you know, we think about Christmas, we're around family, friends, whoever, whatever, but after that, we go back to our same routines, our same jobs, our same tasks, and it's easy to get back into the routine and miss the fact that your life has been changed and my life has been changed, and Advent reminds us that God is in the changed business. He's always transforming people's lives. Wherever you are today, He wants to move you forward tomorrow. He wants to change and radically shift your life to become more and more the messenger of peace to a world that needs that peace. They adored. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. They knew exactly what God was up to. I read this some time ago. It says, a clear evidence of conversion is always adoration. A clear evidence of conversion is always adoration. What does that mean? It means when a person is in an experience of conversion with God where God steps in and changes their life, when God shows up in your life, when we invite Christ into our life, when we become that conversion-type experience in our life, the outcome of that is always adoration. It's always worship. 
It's always joy in God. Our response is adoration. Allow yourself this Advent season to adore God through your life. Because you're not the same person you used to be before you met Him. And if you haven't met Him yet, boy, I will do anything to try to get you into that relationship with God. Because I don't want you to miss out at all. And if you've been kind of taking this story along at face value for years, it's kind of become almost a fable to you. Instead of the depth of what God is doing by showing up into people's hearts and lives, by bringing His Son into our world. You're missing it. You're missing the most glorious God that wants to love you. Adoration. We can be well to follow these directives and insights of the shepherds. Listen to them as I read them off again to you. Be attentive to what God has called you to do. Do your best at whatever God's called you to do. Be awed by God and God's message in you. The message of hope and joy that He proclaims in you. Accept the gift of good news. Act on what you know to be true. Act on what you know to be true. Take practical steps of action for what you believe and adore Him 24-7. I love what Corey Ten Boom said. Corey Ten Boom was with her sister in a concentration camp in Germany in the Second World War, lived through it, made it through. Incredible, remarkable woman. She said this. She said, if Jesus were to be born in Bethlehem 1,000 times, but never once in me, I would still be lost. It's not missing the story. To miss the story is to skate along the top and not see the depth of what God is doing underneath the surface, in the depth of who you are, in your heart and soul. God wants you to love Him. Why don't you pray with me? Precious Jesus, Thank you that you know each of our hearts. You know my heart. You know everyone in this room's heart. God, that you're attentive to who we are. You know us. You care. Some of us have struggled in our life to accept your message. Maybe today it's just you're saying, God, I just break that wall down. I want you in. I want you real in my life. For some of us, we live in a, in, in a way that really we're brittle. We're calloused and we don't bend. We've got it all figured out. We have our faith figured out. We have you figured out. When in reality, God, we don't. And some of us need to bend. Some of us need today to get quietly alone with you and actually get on our knees and bend before you and say, God, you're God and I'm not. Some of us need to just adore you. We need to just break out in song 
in our car, in our home, in our heart to you and just say, God, you've done so much and I want what you have to give. If those things are true of you today, you just need to speak them into God and allow him to be a blessing to you. You know, if you need prayer today, maybe it's just, I just need prayer. I'm not sure where I'm at. I'm not sure where my family's at. I'm not, I'm dealing with something in my life. And we'll have some people up here when the service is over. You can come pray with them. But, you know, I'd love to pray for you. If you're struggling with something right now or you're fighting some of that stuff with God, if you just look my way, I just want to pray for you. You got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. You bet. You bet. You got it. I'm praying for you. All over this place. Jesus, you know the hearts of people here. You know that all of us need you. All of us need the joy of who you are. We need your strength and compassion. Would you just bless each person with the need they have? Would you do unexpected things in our life this day? this season. We pray that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. You know, for